0: Precious cornerstone Show sure foundation righteousness of God. Be a holy flame that burns. Let the saving love of Christ
1: be the measure of our lives.
0: We Be a holy flame that burns. Let the saving love of Christ be the measure of our lives. We believe you're all to us. Let the glory of your name be the passion of the church. Let the
1: righteousness
0: of God be a holy flame that burns.
1: Let the saving love of Christ be Be the measure of
0: our lives. We believe you're all to us. You're all to us. You're all to us. You're all to us. us. Yes, you are.
2: short scripture uh, in john 16 verse 33 jesus said to his disciples i've told you these things so that in me you may have peace in this world you will have trouble but take heart i have overcome the world something we need to remember in these times when you have a chance look at john 4 and the story about the official who came to see Jesus when he was in Galilee. The official walked 18 miles from Capernaum down to Galilee in Cana, where Jesus was, where he had turned water into wine earlier in his ministry. And he asked Jesus to come back to Capernaum with him and heal his son who was dying. Jesus told him, your son will live, you may go. It says that the official took him at his word and returned. Now, let's each one of us put our place in the the footsteps of that official as we walk back 18 miles, a long day's journey, thinking, is my son going to live? Did Jesus do, was he able to do exactly what he said he would do? And he found out Jesus was and did. And that's what we have to be thinking in these times, these sort of in-between times when we've run into problems, we've asked for help, and we're seeking an answer. Let's pray. Our Father, we praise you and we give you honor and glory and praise as a holy God, a faithful and loving God in all your ways you're an eternal omniscient and omnipotent god and we bow before you we confess our sins to you father we confess our lack of faith the fear that we give into the forgetting at times that we are in your loving hands forever and ever father we are eternally thankful for you and your son Jesus, the Christ, and your Holy Spirit. Your son gave his very life for us, shedding his blood and atoning for our sins forever, cleansing our consciences from sins that would lead to death. And we're so thankful, Father. Father, please let us lift up the names of members of our family and close ones, of Vicki Wunderlich, Who's being treated for cancer? For Jesus Harrow as he overcomes the virus illness that he had. For Nicole Swanson, for Alan Barragar, for Bernice Skinner, as she overcomes her transplant surgery and and the flu that she got. Father for the Norman Hartman, as he undergoes cancer treatment. For Sandy Moore, for Justin and Kent Pauls and for the Umbersons, Father, and the loss of their family members. Father, we ask that you help us to remain faithful and hopeful and patient as we wait for your touch in these lives, but also in our own lives as we seek your help in our personal matters that we pray for. Some of us have had our jobs threatened or lost our jobs, We seek financial security in these trying times, and we seek personal answers for our family members and our illnesses and for other requests that you know that have been presented to you in private, and we ask for your help. Father, we know in this world that we will have trouble, but Jesus did promise us to be of good cheer, for he has given us his peace because he has overcome the world. And we're so thankful, Father, that we are in Christ as he has overcome the world. Father, we also pray for our nation, for its leaders. We pray for their health and their wisdom. And we ask that they consider their ways and the ways of our nation as they turn their faces towards you and seek your guidance in all humility. Father, we pray for healing and comfort for our nation and the world, and especially for your children. And Father, for one of those children, we're thankful that she's here with us for Taylor Walling and the next weeks and months that she'll spend with our congregation. Thank you for sending our way, Father. Father, please accept our worship in the name of your Son and our Savior, Jesus the Christ amen
3: It was the worst thing that could have ever happened. It was gone, and it wasn't coming back, or at least it seemed like it. We were so excited. We had so much hope. It was going to be so wonderful, and then it was gone. It was dead, and we didn't know if we would ever have it again. And then there was the day that somebody said, I found it, I saw it, I've seen it, and we all rejoiced. You see, there was a day when bluebell ice cream had been taken completely off the shelves. It was gone. And our son Andrew wanted to have Bluebell ice cream at his rehearsal dinner before his wedding more than anything else. But it was gone and we couldn't find it. Unfortunately, we didn't get to have it for Drew's re- Drew and Catherine's rehearsal dinner but we did get to have it back. And I remember when people said, I think it's coming back, but you didn't believe it till you saw it, and then it was on the shelves. And of course, I didn't really get excited until we got to see pralines and cream. That's the best flavor. And it finally came back out, and I said, yes, I found it, I've seen, it's back. Maybe even, it's alive. The power of the resurrection is incredible. That Jesus would be brought back from the dead, that God would take him from death to life and would raise him up. The resurrection was just the greatest and most powerful thing ever that God could do. Even more than the first creation to take something from death to life and to take us from a place where sin and brokenness had the last word where life and wholeness had the last word. It was the greatest thing that God ever did. But it would have just been an event except for the way that people talked about it. All the Gospels agree there was a lady named Mary. And when we read about her in John, she came running when she had seen the Lord. She said, I have seen the Lord. I've seen him. He's not dead. He's alive. It's the most wonderful news. It's incredible. And then Jesus, after that great proclamation had been made, he then told the disciples, and this is in the book of Acts, he said, you will be my witnesses. You'll be the ones who tell people that you saw me. You'll be the ones who tell people that my resurrection is true, the story about me is true, that I have moved from death to life. And I've taken us all from brokenness to wholeness. Very powerful stuff. And you'll be my witnesses to the end of the earth. I don't know about you, but sometimes I think being a witness sounds awfully complicated, but then I'm reminded that the very first witness said something very simple. I've seen the Lord. I don't know how you might say it. Jesus is alive. Jesus has defeated death. Jesus has made it possible for me to not be broken, but instead to be whole. Whatever it is that you might say, it doesn't have to be complicated. It just proclaims, maybe even, Jesus is the greatest. Or maybe, just simply, Jesus is my friend. Everybody needs to hear that message, and God said, we are the people carry it to be his witnesses I hope that you'll join me in being a witness not just to the good news of something like Bluebell coming back but the great news that Jesus is alive to this very day at the right hand of God and that great news ends with the fact that he's going to come back again who are you going to tell how are you going to let them know because Oh, yeah. Pralines Pralines and cream is awesome. But the resurrection of Jesus, Jesus' love, the fact that Jesus wants to be my friend in your hand is the best news of all. Mmm. That's the best. Don't be arguing with me, Josh. Pralines and cream, that's the best.
1: When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews did not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water, welling up to eternal life.
3: You've uh, known it since you were a child. Uh, maybe mom and dad kind of had you go back to the very beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and earth. But pretty quickly, whether through Bible class or at home, wherever it was, you started memorizing John 3, 16. Say it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only... And that's when it all kind of falls apart real quickly because all the translations are just a little bit different and... In reality, John is trying to say something very unique with that word. The one and only, or of course, as the King James says, the only begotten Son. And by the way, I love the different translations because almost all of them point to something, something about the way John says it that points to a reality. And it almost seems like the English can't quite catch up with all of it. So... God loved the world so much that he gave his, and let's just say his one and only, truly unique, the one born of God, son, truly born of God's son. And whoever, you know, we put lots of, of emphasis on that love word, and we put emphasis on a lot of other things, but that, that statement of whoever, that's a really cool, cool statement. Whoever, whoever believes, and don't get mixed up here, This is not submitting to a creed. This is not kind of agreeing with all the right answers. This is about trusting. Whoever trusts in him, that one and only unique son, may not, will not, shall not, pick your translation, perish. But now say it with me all together. Here we go. But have eternal life. That's exactly right. And we love the beauty of that statement. So simple. God loved. We have the opportunity to trust in the one that he sent. And that brings us into something very, very different. Into a life that is called eternal. Throughout the gospel, John is constantly trying to show us things. He wants us to see something. He introduces us to several characters throughout his gospel. The bridegroom, a Samaritan woman a hungry crowd, or possibly even an adulterous woman. He wants us to see them. He wants us to take them into our focus. Because he introduces those characters to tell us a little bit more about that eternal life that he talked to Nicodemus about. And then, as Preston read, the words that he used to the woman at that well, if you drink this well, it leads to, it springs forth... It's powerful wording. It springs forth from you as eternal life. When you take it in, it springs forth from you as eternal life. You know the bridegroom who runs out of, of wine at his wedding, and Jesus turns that water into the best, the best that the wedding had, and in reality saves. He doesn't save it for some sort of future purpose. He saves it for right there, that day. Their marriage is going to be built in many ways on the success of that ceremony. The way the community sees them is going to be based on the success of that ceremony. And Jesus prepares them, saves them, not just for something way off, but something right then, something that they're going to live in for years to come. That Samaritan woman's life is changed immediately. I love the way that she... Her, her life goes from being one that's closed off and not talking to anybody, but willing to go right then and right there and face the people that she's always hidden from. And before that story's done, it says that many trusted in Jesus. Right there, not in Jerusalem, not in Galilee where he's from, but right there in Samaria, that Samaritan village. People start trusting Jesus. They believe in what he has to say. And then that hungry crowd... We can talk about all the ways that it pointed backwards to Moses and and God providing manna in the wilderness. We can point forward to the way that it fulfills the the idea that that man doesn't have to depend on the world. Man can depend on God and that Jesus can, can give us what we need. We don't live on the bread of this world. We live on the bread of the next. But make no mistakes. For the people there at that time and at that place, in that moment, what Jesus gave them was not life that was some sort of guarantee in the future. What Jesus gave them was something for right then and right there. Likely even in that culture, what he provided for them not only was what they ate that moment, but they probably took some home with them. And we know that the disciples were able to gather up what was left over. Trusting Jesus brought them something in this life. He saved them right here and right now. That vision, that scene with the adulterous woman who's thrown in front of Jesus and the law tells us we have to stone her. Powerful sense in which Jesus stands up to the hypocrisy of the men who brought her there, who wanted to accuse her and not the man that she was lying with. Wanted to accuse her, and wanted to catch Jesus, he either has to stand up for the righteousness of God or he's going to be this same old wishy-washy, lovey-dovey guy that he's been so often. And yet he catches them. If you're willing to be the one who says, I don't have any sin to be condemned, then you can throw the first stone. But see, what John really wants us to see oftentimes is what comes at the end of the story. A woman who Jesus reaches, a woman who Jesus touches, a woman who Jesus sends, not to wait for some kind of eternal reward that's going to come for you, but right here and right now. Don't make what I did in your life be something that you simply wait for in the future. Let it change you now. Go. Go and sin no more. There are two more, and they stand in a, in a powerful kind of contrast. John will spend a lot of time, nearly three whole chapters, talking about this blind man in Jerusalem that Jesus heals and the controversy that comes from him. A blind man that that is is born blind, and there are all kinds of questions about why was he born blind. But then, of course, the question becomes, why are you as you are? And it's interesting that the contrast exists between the blind man and Peter. The blind man will stand up to the same Jewish leadership that will try Jesus. The same Jewish leadership who, when they started condemning Jesus to die, Peter had to say, I don't know him. And this blind man said over and over and over again, even before he knew him, he said, that's the guy who healed me. And if if he shows up, I'm going to tell you that that's him. And I'm not afraid of you because of what he's done for me. The blind man wasn't healed to see in some far-off future. The blind man was healed to be a witness right here and today. But see, Peter's story doesn't end in the rejection, does it? Somebody say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because if the story ends with rejection, then then there's a whole lot less to the gospel than what we know it to be. Because Peter's one of those people that's transformed instantaneously from a coward who can't stand up to a man who's going to stand up and in reality someday is going to die because he won't deny Jesus. Peter. Peter's life is changed. Peter moves from denial and rejecting Jesus to being welcomed into his peace. And then, not sit at home and wait because good things are headed somewhere in the future, but he grabs Peter and says, okay, I've given you my peace. Now it's time to go feed my sheep, to be my witness all over the world. John wants to get across to us that this eternal life, this eternal life isn't something simply that we're waiting for off in the future, that we go to the waters of baptism, we're cleansed, and okay, I'm done. I can just sit here now and wait for what's coming next. The eternal life that John's talking about is a quality of living right here and right now that changes us the way it changed the bridegroom, the way it changed that Samaritan woman, the way it changed so many people. It changed those... People on that hillside that got to eat that day. It changed a woman whose life was literally in Jesus' hands to live or die. It changed a blind man. And maybe best of all, it changed Peter. Because in reality, you and I are the ones who are called to kind of follow in Peter's footsteps. You see, it's not just fire insurance. It's not just what we kind of put our... We say, I'm going to believe in Jesus because it's just kind of my insurance policy for the future. Make no mistakes. The promise of God is that those who claim His name and those who put their trust in Jesus, and again, we see that powerful model of following Jesus' faith in the waters of the death, burial, and resurrection of baptism, those are all true and real. And the people who experience that can look forward to a resurrection like Christ, can look forward to a rest with God until He brings in all His whole new creation. But long before that transition from this life to the next, there is eternal life to be had. And it's not just eternal life to be had to, to hold on to somehow or another, oh, I better do this or something bad might happen. Make sure I pay that, Do those, uh, those uh, pay those dues. I need to be sure that I invest in those things. I want to be sure that you understand that when when John says, Those who see Jesus for the gift of God and trust in Him are having eternal life right here and right now, Paul is constantly trying to get this point across to people in all the letters that he writes. He wants to be sure that you understand that that there is no source like God and there is no grace like God's grace. There's no power like God's grace through Jesus Christ. But always, in every single letter, there's a moment in the letter where a switch flips. And he says, and if you believe in that, you got to live it out right here and right now. That salvation is not just for the future, but salvation is for this very day. We might even say that salvation is for us right here and now, not just when things are normal and easy, but especially when things like a pandemic occur, especially when things like people having to stay safe at home, quote-unquote. This is a time when we need to know that the salvation that God offers us is not simply about waiting for life after death, but is to live now, investing in the eternity that we're looking forward to. Paul's going to talk about it in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I'm going to read some excerpts, but we will cover the material of the entire first chapter, so your patience would be greatly appreciated as we read. Now, we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed... We have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Notice that phrase, and meanwhile we groan, longing to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling. There's something we're looking forward to, amen? Therefore, we are always confident and know as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. We live by faith. And not by sight. We are confident, and I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. But notice, that's what I want. That's what I'm hoping for. And if you hope for that in the future, if you hope for that after this physical life, listen, verse 9, so we make it our goal to please Him. Note, we want to please Him whether we are at home now in this body or away from it. Skipping down to verse 11. Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. And again, this is not about being scared of God. This is about holding Him in awe, recognizing not just the, the way in which His power is, is sometimes terrible, but recognizing how His power is what brings us the grace and what raised Jesus from the dead. Since we then know what it is to fear someone that is so much more powerful than we could ever think about being, we try to persuade men. What we are is plain to God, and I hope it is also plain to your confidence. Skipping down to verse 4. For Christ's love compels us. We are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves. You get the words? You see how the pieces fit together? What we're doing now, what we're doing in the middle, in the middle of this crisis, either is pointing towards our eternity, and is a belief that our, our eternal life has started right now, in the way we live, in a way that, live, that as we live, we're pointing towards the reality of what is to come. We live by faith. Not what we can see here and now, but what we believe will be. But what we believe will be impacts how we live today. Not only for ourselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. This is one of those important words. So, since then, therefore, whatever you want to translate it. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. This is where you start hearing things that are familiar. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. Somebody say hallelujah. I'm so glad. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. I want to be sure and make a point here. Where does the ambassador live? Our ambassador to England, our ambassador to Germany, our ambassador to China, wherever they may be, you know, it could be worse. You could be the ambassador, U.S. ambassador to Sudan or something like that. The bottom line is all our ambassadors live. Now, they travel back and forth, and they may say, my home is, but where they live, where they do their ambassadoring is in the other country. We are Christ's ambassadors. We are not people who say, I'm just going to hang out here in church and I'm just going to hold on until Jesus comes again and it's all over for me and I don't don't get in any trouble and I don't make any mistakes. He says, no, 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 no. If you're going to be my ambassador, you need to be out there. You need to be doing it among the people. You need to be out there in the darkness where when the light shines, it really shows up. You started noticing that in our interactions with people? There are folks whose world revolves around the circumstances of this pandemic. And then there are people whose world revolves around something much bigger. I think you can see the difference more today than you could have a month ago. We, therefore, are Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making His appeal through us we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. So that in him, right here and right now, among the people and in the world, we might be the righteousness of God. Wow. Paul points us in a whole new direction. And did you hear it? That new creation language that we say, yeah, yeah, someday I'll be new. Look, new creation has come. It's something that is now. The eternal life that John talks about, the salvation that Paul talks about, all of that stuff, yes, has a future component, but it cannot be divorced from what we're doing right here and right now. We are looking forward, that we are looking forward has come. What we're looking forward to has come. It has come in Christ. And Paul says, as it came in Christ in that moment, it comes to this world right now in us. So we are called to live eternal life right now to be witnesses to be markers as it were what does it look like what is God planning and and people God says I want to hold you up I want people to see the righteousness of God in you right now and if you're just sitting around waiting for what's in the future God's living eternal life is not part of who you are and that's what he needs three things very quickly if you don't mind First of all, living eternal life is about taking on our sins and struggles now. And let's be sure and say, all of us have been forgiven. All of us live in right relationship with God. If we have been through the waters of baptism, if we have trusted our lives in Jesus, we have been washed clean. And John will tell us in another book that that cleansing continues in us. It's not just an on and off kind of thing, but it flows over us and in us but we still struggle. In that same book, 1 John, he'll say, if you don't confess, then then the impact of what Jesus did through the cross and what you participated in in your baptism has less effect. So we take on our sins and our struggles now not with a sense of guilt, not with a sense of, of, oh, woe is me. Oh, the burden is too heavy. We take on our sins and struggles now with the perspective of a promise. A promise that, that you and I believe in. A promise that there is an eternal home. But if that promise is true, then the promise that we are living in His eternal life right now is also an equal reality. And He invites us not to look at sin as something that we have to hold on to and bear through guilt, but the promise that he wants to take it away, he wants to make us more and more part of that eternal life. Secondly, notice Paul uses that reconciliation word. If we're going to be living eternal life right now, we're going to have to be people that are recognizing that relational reconciliation right here and right now in our daily lives points to eternal reconciliation with God. Let's be sure and say, this is a difficult time to be talking about reconciliation because we kind of have to stay at a distance a little bit these days. Well, sorry, we still have to stay at a distance a lot these days. But make no mistakes, there is in our hearts either an affinity with this physical distance that says, whew, I'm glad I don't have any reason to get close to those people, Or there is a a mourning and a longing. What can I do to cross this chasm? What can I do to make the physical distance not seem like a, a heart distance or a love distance? This has application for us everywhere we go. We recognize that healing relationships now, whether they be in our families whether they be in our neighborhoods, whether they be at work, or even the idea that there are relationships, kind of societal relationships, that exist between groups of people, and we say, you know what? I am not going to buy into the separation that's there. I'm going to do my best to cross that chasm. Because reconciliation now points to an eternal reconciliation with God. I hope you can hear that. And I hope you can think of maybe one person that you need to be healing a relationship with because you want it to point to the reconciliation that you have experienced with God. Finally, third, let's, if we're going to be living eternal life now, we're going to have to be people who are letting our joy and our hope and our love and our faith in eternity, all those things, the the rejoicing that we have because of Christ, the hope, the living hope that we have because of Christ, the love that we've experienced and we can give to others, and that idea that my life is going to be about trusting in Jesus, all of those things point to eternity, but they need to be seen right here and right now. Are the angels rejoicing in heaven right now? Is is there great hope in heaven right now for the day that Christ is going to come back and make it all right? Yes. Is there love? Is there love from God to us in heaven right now? And is there in heaven right now a Savior, that only begotten, very unique, one and only Son who's sitting at the right hand of God, who trusted in Him with everything He had His whole life, and trusting that when the time comes, God's going to say, you know, I realize there's no night and no day in heaven, but don't you think at some level Jesus kind of is waiting for that day when God says, time to go, time to go back time to make our home with our people see all that's in eternity but the way people here and now see it is when we live it out and maybe most particularly when we live it out in times of difficulty like we have right now but i hope you heard the verse We don't get reconciled with God. God reconciles us to Him. It's God's initiative, God's movement. And it is only through Christ that that occurs. It is only through Christ that we have that opportunity for, yes, the life that will be in eternity, the life that will be in the new creation, but also the eternal life that starts right here and right now. So Christ is the stuff that makes it possible. And He invites us to His table. He invites us to be filled today, right here and right now, with the bread and the cup. To be filled with the body and the blood. To be filled with that body and blood, that bread and that cup, right now. So it can remind us that the life that will be eternal is eternal life right now, I invite you to be filled with the bread and the cup of Christ.
1: we thank you so much for giving your one and only son to die on that cross, to know the one that had no sin, to know that sin for us. And we we pray that you'll be with us now as we take this bread that represents his broken body. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Jesus said to them, Very truly, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood... You have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. For my flesh is real food, my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drink my, drinks my blood remains in me, and I in them. Let's pray. Father, again, we thank you so much for your son. We thank you for sending him here to die on the cross. And we thank you for this cup that represents his blood that was shed on the cross that covers our sin. Be with us now as we partake of it in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: Just as I
3: it's been a good morning for you. Uh, I want to let folks know that we are going to be doing something special with our kids gifts offering that I know that moms and dads have been helping their kids kind of sort and keep track of as these weeks where they can't come running down front and holding on to them. Um, you may be aware, may not be aware, but uh, those gifts go to the Dominican Republic where we support uh, Joaquin, and, and he works specifically with these schools, a school of Dominican Republic children and a school of Haitian children. And there's just a, it's, that's a, a tough thing during these economic times when, when uh, what normally is just kind of life from hand to mouth uh, The hand can't grab as much right now, and so our support is very, very important to them. So coming up uh, two weeks from now, we're going to remind you on two Sundays, but I want you to be getting ready. Um, Our kid's gift bucket is all decorated up, and it's neat. So I want you to start preparing an envelope that's going to have those kind of decorations on it. And we're going to be asking you to bring them. Uh, up to the church, we're, we're going to create a system for that, probably like we did with the Journey of Jesus materials that you got. Uh, we'll, give you, we'll give you more details on that. It's not going to happen for two weekends, but we want to celebrate that gift, and we want to get that on the way to, to Joaquin in the Dominican Republic. So help us with that if you can. Our special prayer this morning is going to be centered on uh, our educators Um, We are going to do a special prayer for our Sunshine School, which is also experiencing this separation and some other things right now, but that's not today. And while we have people that we want to pray for, like Danny Massey, our superintendent, and Lisa Hewitt, and Sharon Ritchie, and Lowell Good, that kind of work in administration things, today we want to particularly remember those who are in classrooms Forgive me, this is a long list. I'm going to read these names, and yes, we may not get everybody. We're going to post these names. We want to encourage you on Facebook. We want you to encourage you to add names, not just members of our church, but others that you know of, because we want to be praying for these folks. I'm going to list these names, though, for you. Jamie Hunter, Sybil Crawford, who you may not all know yet, but we hope you'll get to know better soon. Dara Frazier, Vanessa Sweden. Terry German, Haley Yates, Carrie Schertz, Chelsea Foster, Misty Wilson, Sharon Fagan. And I think we need to particularly hold up folks like Sharon Fagan and Carrie Schertz who are not only being educators for all the kids that are in their class, but they're having to do homeschool with their own children at this time. It's also true of Kelly McCoy and Brandy Peltier. We want to remember Brian Cressman and Lisa Chapa and Michael Krebsbach and D.J. Eisenhart and Raymond Wadi, And then a few people that are even at the college that are also having to do extension learning, Gary Hicks, Chad Abney, Alan Bargar, and Randy Moore. Again, I'm certain that I missed somebody, and if you're the one I missed, my apologies. Let's lift them up in prayer at this time. Our Father and our God, we thank you for the way that you are with us everywhere we go. We thank you for the way that you've poured your eternal life into us for the here and now. And I want to thank you for the way, that eternal life, that being an ambassador, an ambassador, a minister of reconciliation is, is working its way out in, in these people who on a day-in-day-out basis are, are trying to cross the chasm of electronics and space to try and teach our children. As we pray for them at the beginning of every year, we pray that they will be excellent in the teaching of their subject, but we pray that they will be maybe even more excellent at being representatives of your love and imparting the great value that each of these children have. We particularly want to lift up those that are having kind of do double duty, not only being an educator for other people's children online, but but also having to be the primary educator and helper and supporter for the children that are at home. Care for them as only you can. Strengthen them as only you can. Give them a heart of endurance and perseverance, and maybe above all else, give them a heart of courage. Father, I pray that they won't be downtrodden by the news this week that schools won't be meeting again this year. But they will see the way in which they can use this as an opportunity to finish well and bless children. Again, may they be your representatives, your ambassadors in that situation. We lift them up to you and ask that you would bless them. We pray this in the name of Jesus, and we all say, Amen. So once again, we cannot be good enough to be ministers of reconciliation. We're never going to be wholly good enough to be ambassadors. That is only given to us by God. So we must first, first and foremost, be reconciled to Him. The invitation is extended at this moment, but I want to be sure you know that you can reach out to us and you've seen those contact forms anytime. And if we can help you in any way, we will do everything we can to be God's blessing in your life. Why don't you come?
0: be
4: Thank everyone for joining us today. We're hopeful that this was a blessing to you and to your family and to your, those that are listening with you. Understand there may have been some technical difficulties today and we apologize again for that, uh, but just be sure if you're still online that there will be a recording available and it'll be clean and clear for you to listen to later today. I'd like to start with a short scripture um, from 1 John chapter 5. I'm going to read a few excerpts from here. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is a child of God. This was he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not with the water only, but with the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the witness because the Spirit is the truth. There are three witnesses, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three agree. This is the testimony that God gave us, eternal life, and this life is in his Son, he who has the Son has life. I think that scripture, even though I didn't read in entirety, it gives you the idea there, as Alan was talking about today, that we have that hope, we have that faith, and it's through Jesus Christ, and in him is that life that he's provided for us. I want to give a big thank you to those of you who are giving online and those who are providing their, their normal contributions to the office with due diligence. It's been a continuing support for our congregation and a blessing to our ministries. We want to let you know that that God's blessings are on you for your generosity as well. We also want to continue to welcome Taylor Walling with us. Those of you who don't know, she's come a little bit early. She's going to be our children's minister during the summertime, and she's doing a great job trying to get things set up online for our kids to have some things to do. Um, there's a children's, sorry, the, if you go to the Kids for Christ page on our website, the children's ministry, you can find ways to connect with her. I know she's trying to set up some, some Zoom online lunches and some um, things for the kids to do. So please check that out off the website, and that way you can get in touch with her. And, and of course, she would also love you to send notes. Her email is also posted there. Please send her um, welcome if you haven't done so already, and let her know that we're glad she's here. Just an additional note, I think we announced this earlier, but a few of the life groups have started meeting again using Zoom online. And so far we've had positive feedback with that. And so for the others, if you weren't aware that that's available, the church has two um, accounts with Zoom that we can use, and we just need to organize that through Peter. So other life group, member or life group leaders, if you're not using that yet and you want to contact Peter to get things organized with your team, that would be great. We want to remember those in our prayer request. Just an update on Jesus Haro. He's back on base. He's finishing up his quarantine time, and he's doing much better. We're grateful for the prayers for him. Also, Sandy's on our list still. Sandy Moore's still on our list. She's feeling better. and continue to pray for her that that things go well. Update on Vicki Wunderlich. She is in Dallas. She started her treatments. Seems to be doing okay, but please continue to pray. And we have a a couple of uh, families that have lost family members. Alan Barger's grandmother passed away. We want to keep him and his family in our prayers. And also the Humbersons, again, Jeff's sister-in-law, Brenda, passed away recently. We want to keep them in our prayers. Again, thank you for joining us. Please get the word out. I think even though there may be some technical difficulties, if we can get people to listen to the recordings, that are online that would be beneficial to them. Let's bow together. Father, we're grateful for Jesus. We're grateful that he was able to come, that he was willing to come, that he put his feet on the earth and he walked the paths here and he talked with those around him and he showed us who you were. He showed us where we had made mistakes in the way that our understanding was of, of what he wanted us to do. And Father, he he tried to help us understand the love that you have, and he showed that to us in his being here. Father, particularly for that life that he gave, that that loss of blood that, that gives us that eternal life, that time to be with you for all eternity. Father, we're so thankful for that. We want to lift up a few of our our number. Father, from this congregation, we want to lift up Jesus Haro and and Sandy Moore, Vicki Wunderlich, Alan Barger, and Jeff Humberson and their families. Father, please give them strength. Continue to be with the doctors that are working with them. We'd ask that you'd heal those that are needing to be healed, and Father, be with those who have lost family members. Give them a sense of, of loss, but also help them in their grief, and they know that you're there, and that those who have passed on are moving into the next part of their lives. Father, bless us in the way that we do things here, and we're hopeful that your word is reaching out to those in the community that are able to listen. Through Jesus we pray. Amen. Salvation
0: belongs to our God. Who sits upon